We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The names behind the numbers. The stories behind the names. This is the Her Hoop Stats Podcast with John Little. I saw a couple looks what, like in the locker room when we had the scouting report up. And, you know, we had, as an example, you know, you're going to guard Sue Bird and Diana Trossi and, you know, all those players. Uh, some, some people on our team kind of looked at each other and kind of had to pinch themselves. The biggest newsmakers, the best storytellers. The Her Hoop Stats Podcast. Here's your host, John Little. Welcome in. Let's do this. The Her Hoop Stats podcast for another week. Thank you so much for being here. We're getting back on the regular schedule of releasing something every Monday as the women's college basketball season really swings into form. And what a start it has been. Hey, did you guys hear about the Oregon women's basketball team beating Team USA? Was that something that you guys have heard of? Of course, I'm kidding. But um, yeah, what a moment this past Saturday as that all went down. And I think it just uh, harkens me back to talking to Kelly Graves back over the summer about his team, about his team's prospects for this season. And I caught him very early on in the offseason. And man, if people weren't pumped about Oregon women's basketball, and I know they are, okay, I know we all were really excited to see what was going to happen with Oregon this year. But that honestly was not on my radar, Oregon beating Team USA. That was crazy. Does that mean that Oregon is a generational team? Does that mean, you know, like a Tennessee-type team, the, the last team to beat Team USA back 20 years ago? I guess we'll have to see. But obviously the talent is there. You've got several future WNBA players and probably WNBA stars on that team. The most ruthless competitor maybe in women's basketball right now is Sabrina Ionescu. And, man, I am pumped. 
uh, to see Oregon this year, but then so many other teams as well. And and make sure you go back and listen to the Kelly Graves uh, interview, maybe in with thinking about that as a backdrop, because that was very educational, uh, talking about what he's been through with that squad over the last five years or so. And I'm really happy to see him have all that success and kind of a next level of almost unprecedented success this past week. And boy, we see that right after the Stanford women's basketball team took on Team USA. And absolutely, Stanford had a a great showing in that matchup with Team USA. And so did Texas A&M for that matter. And so it's really exciting to see these teams go up against them. And that was something I got to talk about with Tara Vanderveer, the head coach of Stanford women's basketball but then so much more, you know, over 900 career wins at Stanford, over a thousand in her career as a women's basketball coach at the Division One level. And then you've got the 1996 Olympic team as well, which she coached to a gold medal in Atlanta. Is she one of the five most influential women's basketball coaches of all time? Certainly has to be up there, right? So it is with great pleasure that I bring you this interview with Coach Vanderveer. A little bit shorter than some of our normal conversations, and I think that just goes to, hey, it is prime time. It is season starting time. She was squeezing me in, and she had another media conversation that morning as well, so I am just tickled pink that I got to talk to her for the amount of time we did and get some of these questions in as well. And I love the way that it kind of turns into a conversation about the current state of the Pac-12 and where they are in women's basketball in the Pac-12. And, of course, she's so complimentary uh, about the rest of her coaches, uh, about the level of play day in and day out in that league. Uh, So uh, I'm excited to see how things uh, go down this year for not only Stanford and Oregon, but every other women's basketball team and how things play out in the Pac-12. So that's why you're here. Let's get to it. Tara Vanderveer, the head coach of Stanford Women's Basketball. Coach, thank you so much for your time. It is just, it's such a pleasure and an honor. Thank you for the time. We appreciate it. My pleasure, John. Absolutely. I I just want to start off with this before I forget to ask about it. Um, You know, you start the season and you're really focused in on, you know, the things that you have to take care of um, to be a great uh, Division One women's basketball team this year and contend for the Final Four and contend for a national championship. Uh, Yet a few days before the season starts, you have the USA women's basketball team in and you have this great opportunity uh, to, to play them for your team to go up against these greats how did you use it to your advantage in in, with the mindset that the season's almost upon you and you don't want it to be a distraction well I think you know playing uh, the USA team you know we knew basically we're going to play since June and I think that kind of you know every once in a while they people would remember that and say wow I you know I better get some extra shots up or you know, we, um, I think it helped our practices. I think that leading up to it, um, you know, it, it helped us as coaches to make sure we had, you know, kind of everything in that we needed to have in, but, you know, more than anything, um, it was, it was just a fun atmosphere and, um, I, for our team to see the very best in the world and to play against them, uh, was a once in a lifetime experience. Did you treat it 
like you would any other game, really trying to get the kids to, to lock in and, and be competitive? Or did you treat it more like, uh, you know, kind of an all-star type exhibition? Uh, it was a regular game for us. Uh, we prepared the way we would. Uh, you know, we just we did everything trying to help ourselves get ready for a regular game. Um, I think it was uh, I, I saw a couple looks what like in the locker room when we had the scouting report up. And, you know, we had as an example, you know, you're going to guard Sue Bird and Diana Taurasi and, you know, all those players. Uh, some some people in our team kind of looked at each other and kind of had pinched themselves. That's exactly what what I'm thinking is, you know, I'm a I'm a kid. I'm 18 to 21 years old. And now I'm going to go up against my heroes like right. this. Oh, my gosh. What uh, what what a what a fun experience. But uh, what a, a mind blowing experience and what a way to get started for this season. Coach, when you got a year with. I know you always have high expectations um, because uh, that is what Stanford women's basketball is. It's high expectations. But when the outside looking in, people are saying, yeah, this is yeah, this is a Final Four team. This is a team that uh, might win a national championship this year. Does that change anything for you at all? Uh, no, because we've won a national championship when no one else thought we could. And we've not – you know, there's times where you have injuries and you don't do what you – think you're capable of doing so i don't you know i don't listen to any of that i don't pay attention to anything that could happen in march i want to enjoy november and work hard every day with our team and help them get better um you know develop as players uh just you know really enjoy the moment not not looking forward to two and three and four months that you have no control over well let's talk about november then what is the key to winning November, as you found in, in your long coaching career? What is the key to taking advantage of this time of the year? Well, I, I think that it's, um, it's really uh, having intense practices and uh, having, um, laying your foundation for your team in terms of everything you're doing, your, whether it's your, um, you know, your, your practices, your fundamentals, um, you know, everything, just um, body language, how, how everyone um, prepares, um, try, really trying, as I said, just trying to just lay a really good foundation for your year, and especially for young players. Do you have a, a set way in which you try to, to bring those, those freshmen, or maybe, uh, uh, maybe if you had a young transfer or something like that, how you try to acclimate them in, and how do you use uh, upperclassmen to try to do that? Mm-hmm. Um, well, we have um, our, our upperclassmen are fantastic mentors. Um, I think, first of all, they work really hard to uh, recruit great teammates. And then when they have, uh, you know, outstanding freshmen, um, they, uh, I, I think, work really hard to mentor them, to show them kind of how we do it at Stanford, how we practice, uh, how we prepare for games, how, uh, how, you know, how you work in the weight room, all the things that um, have been ha- have helped them be successful. They try to share with the young freshmen. It, it's amazing to me that our, you know we have um, you know upperclassmen on our team that um, you know unfortunately have had some had some injuries and so they're not 100 percent, but they're giving 100 percent, telling and showing the young people young young players this is how you defend, this is how you box out, this is what you're supposed to do. You know this is the out of bounds play. Uh, really helping them and it just goes to. I think it shows their maturity um, and their their commitment to their team. When you've been at it for so long, obviously consistency has to be a key for you. 
But where are you trying to get better as a coach or a person right now in order to to stay at the top of your game? You know, um, I I just kind of feel like the the longer you're in it, maybe the more you know, the more you realize there is to know. And, you know, I'm just trying to – I watch a lot of basketball, whether it's, you know, professional basketball. I'm a Warriors fan or I watch – you know, our, our Stanford men, all pac 12 uh, basketball and women's basketball that's on. And, and I just try to pick up things, ideas that are going to help um, our team do better. Um, me do better as a coach, uh, maybe something I can share with our players. What kind of media do you consume to keep up with, uh, with hoops or, or women's hoops? Is it, is it simply watching a game? Do you get enough from that? Or do you like to read a lot? Do you, do you keep mm-hmm. up on Twitter? What is it for you? Um, I, I don't do any social media at all. Uh, I'm really not interested in that. I do, um, you know, I do like to read, um, and follow, um, more, you know, more technical books, you know, um, or magazines or, um, you know, podcasts or things like that. But, um, not, um, I'm not, uh, I'm not a social media follower at all. And so what are some of your favorite podcasts? Give us uh, or what kind of podcast do you like to listen to? Give us, give us some insight so we can, we can be as Uh, cool as you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, it might be um, one of my friends, it might be political podcasts. It might be, um, you know, just things like um, uh, leadership podcasts, uh, things that uh, maybe help um, you know, TED Talks, things like that, that uh, are more not not really long involved, but maybe 10 minute uh, tips on how to do things better. Um, you know, tips, on you know, leadership or uh, team building, things like that. This is going to be really interesting, I think, because, um, you know, those of us that are involved in social media and you know, like at Her Hoop Stats, we feel like there has been an uptick in interest uh, for women's basketball on a on a global scale, on a national scale, however you want to say it. Stanford's been so good for so long. Do you feel that uptick in interest even in your program recently without the, um, you know, the evidence like we use in social media clicks or engagement, whatever mm-hmm. we, we try to try to use. Do you feel that on your end? Um, you know, I definitely feel uh, there's a, a great enthusiasm for uh, women's sports at Stanford. I mean, we have a, a great soccer program, uh, cross country, volley, uh, volleyball. Um, and, you know, so women athletes, I think, feel, um, you know, very appreciated at Stanford. Um, but on top of that, the Pac-12 with Pac-12 networks, and obviously they're very involved with, you know, uh, Twitter and Facebook and everything, um, but uh, Instagram. Um, but I think Pac-12 networks has really been a great thing for Stanford basketball, uh, showing the, um, you know, just the outstanding uh, skill uh, of our teams. And, you know, this year, especially with um, – like four or five Pac-12 teams in the uh, top 25. Um, you know, UCLA, Oregon State, Oregon. Um, you know, just ourselves, uh, Arizona State. Uh, it it's awesome. You know, our conference is just phenomenal. It really is, and you, you even think of like uh, it, Arizona trying to to crack up there, and they've got an incredible score. And you know, that's uh, that's right. going to be something Ari that's yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh! And it's it, it's just a, it, it's so so deep. I, I guess is what I'm saying more than anything. And you know, your rivalry uh, with with Oregon here recently, and just um, having to go up against uh, a player like Sabrina, a coach like Kelly. 
What do you think that has done for the Pac-12, the deepening of the um, of having another great team to try to mm-hmm. fend off or keep up with in this league uh, since Kelly took over there? Well, we've had, you know, we've had, uh, Oregon has been, has had a tremendous program, uh, you know, year, maybe, maybe not consistently, but they've had some great teams and great programs and great players uh, going back to someone like Bev Smith. But, um, you know, I think that what, what we're able to do now is show the great teams through PAC 12 networks. We've always had great PAC 12 teams. Think about Lisa Leslie, Tina Thompson, um, Olympians, um, you know, just, a the, we've had fantastic players at uh, Adia Barnes playing at Arizona. Um, You know, so, you know, whether it's been um, Natalie Williams at UCLA, we've had great players and great teams and they just haven't been, you know, the the East coast and Midwest sleeps when we play. So now having path call networks, they get to see these great teams and drawing great crowds like Arizona getting, you know, 14,000 for their uh, WNIT championship game, you know, or Oregon, um, I'm uh, Oregon state selling out against the USA team. So uh, we have uh, fantastic fans of Bay area with our rivalry with Cal, um, you know, so it's, uh, but it, it's definitely on the up, upswing, but I think more than anything is visibility and the vis- visibility has really uh, helped a lot. I don't know if it's the right question to ask if it's helped in your recruiting. Cause you've always, uh, it seemed like been able to recruit because you have such a, an outstanding team. And then, my gosh, an incredible institution as well that uh, that anybody would want to come to. Uh, but as far as in it deepening the uh, the the depth of talent in the league, something like uh, the Pac-12 network, like you're saying, uh, that's got to help the the recruiting aspect and just make the the talent base even deeper with great players. Well, I think that you know uh, West Coast players like Sabrina staying on the West Coast. Um, Ruthie Hebert, uh, you know, she's a West Coast person, way up there, but. Uh, staying on the West Coast and, you know, not uh, not leaving the West Coast, going to the Midwest or the East. Uh, you know, um, th- that's like every team has those great players and uh, they're just getting we're just getting deeper and deeper. And we're we're very excited about that. Uh, not just the ones that are coming to Stanford, but ones that are uh, going to Oregon, Oregon State, Washington, you know, all the, up, up and down the um, the coast. How's the camaraderie of the the coaches in the Pac-12? Is it at a point where you guys are just so competitive and trying to gain every inch that it's 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 tough to be around each other? Wink, wink. Or is no, it not <laughs> at all? Not at all. Um, not, not at all. We have we have some of the the most outstanding coaches in the country in the Pac-12, and you know just um, you know when 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 our team when a, another Pac-12 team wins, um, they'll hear from other coaches congratulating them. Um, you know, uh, you know, people like Corey Close, Mark Track, um, Adia, uh, Charlie Turnathorne. I mean, they're all fantastic people. Um, you know, I, I just really I'm, I'm really I'm really proud not only to be part of the Pac-12, um, you know, as a coach, but to be part of the coaching uh, fraternity sorority is is really outstanding. They're wonderful, wonderful people who are everyone's working hard. Yes, everyone wants to win. But um not in a not in a negative cutthroat way, but in a very positive. Hey, I'm going to get better because I'm playing you because you're you're pushing me. 
I love how this is kind of turned into a conversation about you know the the advantages of the of the Pac-12 right now, and certainly one of those has to be that you go up against teams that are probably going to be in the Sweet 16. It seems like every other you know night once you get into conference play, what do you try to take advantage of when you play in Oregon, an Oregon State, a UCLA, uh, and those teams that you know are are going to be there in the end? What do you try to take advantage of on those regular season nights to help get your team prepared for when uh, you know all the marbles are laid out there well when you play game in and game out it it doesn't matter who you're playing in the Pac-12 it doesn't matter what they're ranked it doesn't matter what their record is it is going to it's going to be a grind out you're going to have to put everything on the court that's just the way it is whether you know uh, we played um, you know Colorado we're down at halftime uh, and they um you know, they didn't finish record-wise. Uh, a, a team like Washington uh, ended up um, beating uh, Oregon State in the Pac-12 tournament. So whether it's in the regular season, which is, you know, kind of you're getting ready for everyone, or the Pac-12 tournament, which gets you ready for the NCAA tournament, um, you you just know when you go in the, into the NCAA tournament, you've already played against, you know, tremendous competition, and you're confident. We're, we're speaking with Tara Vanderveer, the great coach of Stanford women's basketball. And I've got some great questions when I, I put it out there that uh, we're going to have you on. And, and some of our contributors at Her Hoop Stats were, were definitely interested to hear uh, your thoughts on, on a few things. One is I've heard uh, varying degrees and varying depth of, of conversation from, from coaches and athletic directors on, on this so far. So I'm, I'm interested to see what you could say and, and, and how, how you'd want to put it. But sparked by the California law, the image and likeness uh, changes are, are coming to the NCAA. How do you feel about that uh, from uh, your perspective as a women's basketball coach and then just a, just a longtime coach in the NCAA? How, how does it sit with you? Well, I think that, um, you know, I, I don't think that student athletes should be taken advantage of or used to, uh, you know, in any way. So, and it is coming and I think it is going, you know, how it's how it's how the details are worked out that will be interesting to see. Um, I, my hope is that women aren't left in the dust. You know, I hope that it's something good for women in the same way that it will be good for men. And I totally hear you there. I think it, it, it begs a follow up. How can we make sure that that's the case? Uh, where does it start, you think? You know, unfortunately, um, you know, there's when you when you look at the women's soccer, you know, how they're fighting for equal pay. You look at women's hockey, um, the the huge disparity between what female basketball are female basketball players are paid compared to male basketball players. Um, there's there's going to be some challenges to that. I understand, coach. Well, I, I, you know, another one kind of interesting. Do you encourage Fran to dunk? Are you indifferent to it, <laughs> or you know, or do you um, discourage? She dunks. It? She dunks every warm up, and if it happens in the game, um, I just you know, I want it to happen organically, not something that's contrived or in a way. And, and number one is I don't want her to get hurt. You know, I don't want her to be off balance or to get hit in the air or have anything happen. But um, you know, if that uh, she does, she does it in warm ups where it's a little bit more controlled, and our, our you know our team is excited excited by it, and I think that's fine. Excellent. What about the WNBA in the, in the Bay Area? Do you think that's a that's a hotbed that is underutilized by the WNBA at this point, uh, where it would be a nice place for expansion if if it made sense for the league? Um, I definitely, you know, I think hopefully with uh, Chase Center and you know maybe um, that that will be something in the future for the Warriors. And 
Um, the, the Bay Area is extremely supportive of women's sports and women's basketball, and um, I think it could be a, a, a great uh, franchise. Or San Jose, if it wasn't in San Francisco. Awesome. Uh, it's, a, it's a great idea, too. Well, Coach, thank you so much for your time today. I, I so All appreciate right, my it. My pleasure. That is Tara Vanderveer, the head coach of Stanford women's basketball here on the Her Hoop Stats podcast. And I, I've just got to say thank you so much to Coach Vanderveer for giving us, you know, 15 to 20 minutes of her time during a very valuable portion of her schedule. And I know things just get a, a lot harder from this point. So I'm glad we caught up with her here early in the season. And we've got lots of other irons in the fire and lots of other people that we're seeking out to to speak to over the next little bit as things get cranking in women's basketball across the land. And thank you so much for being a part of it. Also, uh, make sure to expect an Unplugged podcast this week as well. I think it is a great time to do so uh, with what transpired over the weekend with Oregon and Team USA. The announcer on the Her Hoop Stats podcast is Susie Solis. The music is by Jared Deck, jareddeckmusic.com. Check him out. Good friend of mine. And also Aaron Barzilai is our executive producer. I'm John Little, reminding you at the Her Hoop Stats podcast, we are unlocking better insights about the women's game. Her Hoop Stats.